This is the Eminem Planet Podcast, episode 47. I'm your host, Joel Ambedon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. Today on the podcast is Dr. Natalie Hobson, assistant professor in the Department of Mathematics and Statistics at Sonoma State University. And I haven't known Natalie for all that long. We got hooked up uh, through a mutual academic acquaintance to create some um, partner publications on thinking about equity and math education at the higher ed level. And then we did a presentation where we had a chance to uh, share with each other what we had wrote in those uh, partner publications. And then we had a chance to answer some questions about it. But the conversation was rich and uh, we had a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it. And we thought, you know what? Let's move that conversation over to this platform. So we have the Amazon Planet podcast episode that you're about to listen to. So uh, we're going to talk about the background of what we, the work we kind of did in tandem. We're going to kind of recap a little bit of our conversation, extend it a little bit more. We're going to ask each other some questions and really around this idea of thinking about what, if you're going to get started thinking about equity, which you know what, uh, there's lots of calls to be doing that. And, you know, there's people that are doing things that may not know the labels and the names and the terminology. And maybe this might be a good start for anyone thinking about, um, thinking about equity in their classroom, in their place of work, wherever, again, we kind of have a broad idea of what teaching is at the Eminem Planet podcast. So wherever you're thinking about equity, maybe this could be a great conversation for you as well. So without further delay, Here's my conversation with Dr. Natalie Hobson. Dr. Natalie Hobson, thank you so much for joining me on the episode of the Amazon Planet Podcast. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Joel. <laughs> it's my uh, my radio voice coming out full full nice. force at you. <laughs> Sounds so, good. <laughs> so, Natalie, we've had a chance to briefly meet, and uh, no pun intended with the word brief. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. We're going to talk about our, our briefs that we wrote for a uh, um, a little. I don't know what a web document, I guess, is uh, yeah. for helping people get in started. A resource with, guide. Yeah, mm-hmm. resource guide. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, we decided, hey, let's let's do a podcast episode. That'd be kind of fun to talk about some of the work we've been doing together mm-hmm. and also just to develop this uh, relationship a little bit more. But before we get into it, you know what? I, I kind of want to know a little bit. Can you give me a little bit of background on who is uh, Dr. Natalie Hobson? Yeah, well, so I'm currently an assistant professor at Sonoma State University uh, in their math and statistics department. My uh, educational background, I have a PhD in mathematics and also a master's degree in math education. And I completed these degrees at the same time concurrently. Uh, I always sort of knew that I wanted to be a math teacher. That's kind of why I went uh, to get my math degree. It was an Uh, means to an ends of working with students. Um, Math really never came easy to me growing up or in school. Um, I was very curious and I worked really hard in math and I just loved connecting with other people through mathematics. So that idea of being able to communicate with other people, how I'm thinking about something and trying to understand how someone else is conceptualizing a mathematical pattern or mathematical structures was something that really intrigued me. Um, so as I continued through mathematics, I started to really see the privilege that succeeding in math gave me. Mm-hmm. So when I would tell someone that I was getting a math degree, um, I would often get a response of, wow, that's so impressive. You know, sometimes I'd get like, oh, I hate math. And that would be end of conversation. But, yeah. um, uh, and the more I did math or the, you know, further I went in mathematics, uh, the more I also realized how rather arbitrary this privilege was. You know, I had friends who, like, I worked really, really hard in, in grad school and school. And, but I, I recognized that, you know, I had friends who were working, you know, 60 plus hours a week. It came from a low income, you know, drug impacted family. We're raising their siblings, um, you know, working really, really hard as well. And yet I was the one who was getting praise for my hard work. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of, where my goal and mission is in working with students in math is to try to support students so that mathematics isn't a barrier for them for reaching their goals. Um, and so that also they can start to become more empowered through becoming doers of mathematics and being able to use some of those mathematical skills to, you know, kind of take control of their life and to not, um, 
yeah, I guess to take control of their life, not control maybe, but, um, uh, become empowered to, I don't know, pr- get the privilege that math, uh, success can provide them. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, I think I got this from Bob Moses and radical equations, like access mm-hmm. to academic and economic opportunities, right? Like there are totally. these doors that open up and, and not that that's the only thing, but seriously, like all these doors that are open because of your relationship with mathematics, you know, like, like, Hey, there's, you get a handful of keys if you have a, a good relationship with mathematics oh, for and, sure. and yeah. can see how, you know, the ways that you're interacting with the world, the math that you're already doing and mm-hmm. how that translates into school mathematics. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of totally. cool with your story. I mean, mm. you see like where you are and like to talk about yeah. like, Hey, my relationship has not been all, you know, sunshine and lollipops. It's been, totally. you know, <laughs> there's been mm-hmm. some sort of, it sounds like a, sounds like a good, yeah. uh, like a relationship, <laughs> like a, a, yeah. a like a yeah. relationship with stories, you know, behind it. Like mm-hmm. it was, <laughs> there were some rough times in the <laughs> late nineties, oh, yeah. you know? Yes, for sure. And I always saw like in the classroom, I always felt like I was the one behind in mm-hmm. mathematics. So it was never something of like, oh yeah, of course this should be easy. Um, but it was just something I was really curious about. Yeah. So in two, you know, it's kind of like all this stuff and maybe even like towards the topic that we're going to talk about is mm-hmm. like moving towards, uh, you know, equity in math ed is thinking about, it's not something that you are going to have locked down, right? It's not mm-hmm. like I've, yeah. I've, I am a math person. I'm always a math person. No, I'm, right. I'm constantly, and it's just like, you know, uh, oh, you know yeah. we're just talking about kids and, and, you know, partners and stuff. It's like, I have a, a, a wife and like mm-hmm. my relationship with her is like, just up. Yep. Mm-hmm. I know her done. Always evolves. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. Right. Not like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not going to work <laughs> right. out too well. Right. <laughs> you know? For sure. Like what yeah. you're changing. What? I don't know that. Right. Uh, you know, it just, right. it's, it's like a huge form where we only can see a, you know, certain parts at once and we can develop a bigger picture, but we're yeah. always in that that developing process, even with teaching. Yeah. Well, and, and too, you talk about the fascination you have with how people solve problems. I mean, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to do with my elementary teachers is that for mm-hmm. them to like throw out a nice messy task with multiple ways to approach it. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. these kids who have these imaginations start just throwing um, stuff and like, yeah. oh my gosh. And you expose the genius that's there. Oh, so um, true. Yeah. Because you just provided the opportunity and it's like, there is right. fascination and you get, to, and then, and then you develop an even better relationship with mathematics because you get to see how other people know. Like, did you know math oh, in this so way? True. This yeah. So that's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Or did you know that other people could conceptualize these things like this? Yeah. Like it's oh fascinating. Yeah. One of the first episodes of this podcast, I talk about uh, a time when a kid solved a problem with a table. Like it was like mm. basically like find the slope, you know, and I was, I was thinking mm. strictly okay. symbols. Right. And then gotcha. the kid comes up like, like a table I, of numbers. I, yeah. Can I use a table? Okay. And he's like, Oh, I see the oh. jumps and I can jump back to when X is, mm. uh, uh, when X is zero and see what the Y intercept is. And it was like, mm-hmm. and my mouth was like on the floor and it was like, <laughs> Oh, wow. Like multiple representations, which is, which is like, wow, my, my relationship with math. And it was just like yeah. an exposure. My relationship to math was really limited. And this kid just showed yeah, me right? something. Yeah. <laughs> I was the teacher. And like, but no, in that case, he was the teacher. And right, so right. Because we come to a mathematical problem with our, pers- like with our experiences, oh, yeah. with our perspectives. And that's so limiting, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it feels like, oh, math, there's one answer. Never true. Like yeah, yeah. there's so many, so many paths and yeah. Wow, we're, so we're we're breaking some ground here. We're not breaking ground, mm. but we're we're uh, we're letting we're it be known. Touching that, on, yeah, yeah. That Matt, I mean, that there is. Wow, we're bringing biases and perspectives into math classroom. This mm. the universal language, like you know, we're bringing in some oh, perspectives, totally. folks. You know, so totally fantastic. Mm-hmm. So what did we get to do? We, we got, so we got on an email together, and all of a sudden, like, oh, I guess I'm doing mm. some things with Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um. We were invited to write briefs for a getting started with equity. And I think I'm, I'm butchering that title, but we'll have links to everything that we mentioned in the show notes for this episode. But we are both were offered a chance to write a brief uh, to department chairs and thinking like, if you're going to get started with equity, what, what would I, what from my perspective and then from your perspective, mm-hmm. what would you say? So we each had individual briefs that we then are then included in this web document on thinking about teaching mathematics at the higher ed level. So 
I did mine from a teacher ed perspective, but again, talking to, if I was a teacher ed person talking to math departments about, hey, here's some things to think about with regards to equity and had like five main points. And then same thing for you, but you're coming from, well, you kind of, I mean, like in your background, you, you do have a math ed perspective, but you, you have a math department perspective too. I don't, I don't know if I'm pigeonholing mm-hmm. you too much. No, yeah, I have, uh, like I've said, my interest is really in the teaching aspect mm-hmm. and getting a math PhD. I had to seek out uh, a lot of opportunities on my own to develop myself as a teacher. And so my the courses I teach right now are primarily uh, math content, but I also teach some math content for future teacher classes. Yeah. So I am, yeah, I kind of enjoy all the things. <laughs> and, and just to, I want to give a shout out because there's some great people that like, so you were at the, you got your degrees at the University of Georgia. Yes, that is correct. And so got, had to, and I, I don't know a lot of the math department or people, but I know some of the math education people like Kevin Moore, you said you yeah, had a chance so to Yeah, so Kevin Moore with. was my, uh, math, my master's advisor. And so it was amazing working with him and on his team. Uh, with that group, I really sort of got the exposure of what it was like to really take students thinking very seriously. Yes, um, that, you know. Underline that a thousand <laughs> yeah. times. Yes. That's yeah, great. We would spend hours looking at one video clip of a student saying, you know, three sentences, but mm-hmm. really trying to dive into trying to get an idea of the landscape of someone else's thinking. Yeah. And that really was uh, an amazing experience. And just, just to bring some context, do you remember mm-hmm. like what topics you were looking at with, with like maybe that, those three sentences, do you like, was it, was it trig, trig functions? Were you doing uh, so we were looking at students thinking uh, with graphs. So how okay. is a student conceptualizing a graph in particular? How are they conceptualizing uh, a graph that is representing two quantities that change together. Mm. And so there is so much to unpack there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, someone looking at that who maybe just has experience uh, or just has a math background without the education could think, okay, well, there's one, this is a graph. It's representing this one relationship done. It's like, yeah. wow, no, there's, <laughs> there's yeah. so much we could unpack. Yeah. And similarly, I was uh, had a chance to work with Amy Ellis, who's now at the University mm. of Georgia. She was at Wisconsin and, and sim- Great, similar yeah. thing with we're talking about exponential functions mm. and just thinking about thinking about kids mm. thinking around, exp- which, Growth again, and, yeah, uh-huh. could dive, dive so deep on, on kids thinking. So that's yeah. kind of cool that we have that similar background. Yeah, um, that's awesome. All right. So we wrote these briefs. And so mm-hmm. um, yes. we we had a chance to write that. So when you were writing your brief, like what were like, you know, maybe we can share some of the, again, we'll have the links to everything, mm-hmm. but maybe what are some highlights that you wanted to bring up with what you wrote about in your brief? Awesome. Uh, yeah. So when I was writing my brief, I tried to think what would be most helpful for someone who is teaching mathematics, who doesn't necessarily have a lot of background in teaching or how to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, who hasn't thought about these ideas uh, as much. Uh, so what I tried to do is really make concrete suggestions of what it could look like in the classroom to support, you know, a di- diverse uh, students or a, a collection of students, you know, a bigger s- collection of students. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of where my head was at. And I tried to organize my suggestions around some main points in the literature uh, that I reviewed. Um, and so should I outline maybe yeah, sure. those suggestions? Yeah, okay, so. And again, well, people can dive deeper into them, but I mean, you kind of had some main kind of cool. pillars there. Yeah. So my main pillar started about what could, what recommendations for change starting from the school or department level. So first of all, that includes placement into uh, math classes. Uh, so, you know, broadening how to, Uh, or broadening those placement metrics rather than just looking at one kind of data point, looking holistically at the student, looking at their potential, not just looking at what experiences they were given in high school, for example. Uh, Then also, you know, once after placement, okay, providing students uh, diverse pathways to meet their math requirement. So, you know, not limiting, say, uh, a math the, the possible math classes to just a calculus class, right. uh, but providing more flavors or types of math that can, you know, afford students um, what they need for their degree. Uh, and then from there, I have some recommendations of uh, possible changes 
within the classroom. So starting out focusing on belonging, I think Joel, that was something that was also yeah. uh, quite present in your brief as well. Mm. Uh, then, you know, in terms of in the classroom, focusing on or bringing, making sure your curriculum is very student centered, mm-hmm. uh, encouraging a growth mindset in your classroom, really being explicit about communicating your expectations since, you know, every, all of our students don't always have a, a culture of higher ed in their background. Right. Uh, and then also from there, sort of focusing on faculty development in terms of bias training or implicit bias training and uh, increasing access in other ways by making the department a more inclusive community. Yeah, I mean, overall, like, you know, thinking about those pieces, mm-hmm. one, you can kind of hear where some of these things, you can see where some of them emerge from your story too and thinking about like student-centeredness mm-hmm. and things like that. But even the, you know, I always think of this as like, flipping on switches. And so like, mm-hmm. again, maybe similar to you, like you're talking about a, having a, a privileged background in a math classroom, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't realize maybe, you know, I, I, you've told similar stories on previous episodes, but um, thinking about like, you know, when I was doing math, like, you know, I could see success. A lot of times the teacher looked exactly mm-hmm. li- like me, like, yeah. especially right now, um, you yeah. know, with the, with the glasses and the gray hair and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, but even, you know, could see like, oh, if I struggled, I see, you know, someone in front of me that's right being successful right. at this, but then how do we go about it? But even the, mm-hmm. you know, as a first generation college student uh, or for first generation college graduate and thinking about like the communicating expectations, like, mm-hmm office hours and, and like that, what, totally. what are the purpose of those? And like, I've seen just even this past year when we had the, you know, the ability to use zoom and it was very, very easy to have several meetings back to back and just, you know, making some clicks, like arranging mm-hmm. these meetings to have with students. So that's like, no matter what I'm touching base with you, even if you're doing great, we can say, Hey, yeah, you're doing great. great. Or mm-hmm. maybe they think they're doing great or they're not, or they're not doing great. And mm-hmm. they would have avoided that median at all costs, but it's nice to say, Hey, what's going on? Oh, you're having yeah. this issue. I, I have empathy. I've experienced that same issue. And like, right. how can I provide you space in order to accommodate that situation with your family, but then also too, to get this work done. And so, right. I don't know, there's, there's mm-hmm. lots of things there that and people mm-hmm. are like, well, where's the math there? Well, again, the relationship that they're going to build with math as a lot of times is going to depend on the relationship they have with you as the instructor. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, totally. I don't know. And it, I think that also goes along with what we were saying about, you know, in a, with a math problem, we have one way of approaching it with office hours. We have one way of approaching it. So we might think, Oh, well, office hours, that's a time where my students can come and ask me questions done. Right. Yeah. So if a student has questions, then it's easy. They should just come, but there's a lot more to it. Like a student could see an office hour as, Oh, well, that means I quote unquote need help. So maybe Mm. like that labels me a certain way. So maybe I don't want to do that. Or, you know, these, oh, office hours, do I need an appointment? Like, I don't want to see a doctor. Like, do I have to, is this like, you know, so there's, there's so much more to it than just like, oh, this is easy. I have office hours done supporting my students. It's like, well, no, there's, there's many more we can do. So yeah, I like your suggestion, Joel, of having, you know, required check-in meetings so that you can just, you know, address individual students, student needs. Um, Yeah. And even some, I've heard um, my co-host of the teaching math teaching podcast uh mm-hmm. ava thanheiser she had a different word of saying it but it was almost like um you know a, a chance to talk to the instructor hours mm. or something like that even because yeah. even just the word office hours I'm like well oh, what yeah. does that actually mean you right. know right and then if you add the list uh, uh all the things that would go into going to an a physical office hours mm. like finding the office knowing where it is and i remember like when i was trying to do that right. in uh and Van Vleck at the University of Wisconsin, which was a huge building and these very small uh, offices. And you're like peering in and there's oh, books right. everywhere. And it's like, should mm-hmm. I come in here? Cause this, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this seems a little intimidating where, you know, yeah. whereas I think my office uh, that I'm in right now, it feels comfortable, but still mm-hmm. that can be very intimidating for somebody. Oh like, yeah. Especially a student who commutes an hour to oh, campus yeah. and then has to find parking and then has to like navigate to the building. And then, Oh, if you go to the office hour and your instructor's door is partially closed yeah yeah like, ah! <laughs> you know they could right. get so close and still be afraid to knock you know yeah, so close. So we really need to be um yeah having a lot of direct um sort of yeah direct energy to help students uh in that way yeah, yeah. so like i mean again actionable things again and mm-hmm. so the um the name of the report i actually did find uh getting mm-hmm. started with equity Great. a guide for academic department leaders i was close mm-hmm. um 
and you know, thinking about your actionable things or suggestions for change. Some of those are, I mean, diverse pathways that might take the department to really mm-hmm. look at their thing. But the other right. other things like sense of belonging, student centeredness, communicate expectations, even engaging in some bias training, which you know, there's some out there that you can access, uh, just even to become more knowledgeable about. I mean, you can take steps towards that fairly quickly, and which I really appreciated about what you writ- wrote in the uh, in the brief. Um, my, I'm going to jump into mine if that's okay. Please. Yeah. So in my brief, I I kind of took the. Uh, I'm the teacher at the professional development where someone has been asked to come in and and talk to us about something and was like, Oh, like, why should I listen to this person? You know, like Mm -hmm. what what is your, uh, you know, yeah. What, what, what kind of authority do you have? And so, you know, and thinking like, you know, I'm just a professor at the university of Mississippi, like, and why I want to make sure what I'm providing is not only things that I think, but also things that we, I can point to some of the organizations that mm-hmm. um, you know support undergraduate ma- undergraduate math education would agree with as well. And so, um, and thinking about that, I had you know some suggestions as well, uh, where I summarize areas for concern. And one thing was a, a great quote that I found from uh, the, a common vision for undergraduate mathematical sciences program mathematical sciences programs in 2025 it's by maa or the mathematical association of america they had a quote to um uh that the status quo is unacceptable that was really just sit out it's like no matter what we just we have to keep we need to make some changes we need to make some changes to do some of the things that you talked about but then just do some things to in order to improve math education because it is important it is important to provide again like we talked about before access to academic and economic opportunities but also to meet some of these grand challenges that we have uh, facing uh, us in this totally. world. And so in thinking about that, um, my suggestions for change were fairly brief, but then also parallel a lot of things that I saw within the documents. Um, and then mm-hmm. some of the resources I shared had to go along with that, but differentiate equity and equality. And so thinking, so sometimes people initially, when they get in these conversations, they start thinking of those two things are the, are the same and they're not mm-hmm. like to do the mm-hmm. same thing for everyone. I treat everyone the same. Well, everyone's not the same. And so mm-hmm. equity might, and NCTM talks about high expectations and strong support. So yeah, you might have the same expectations for, for folks, but some folks might need more support. And we see that, we saw that a lot in 2020, where I'm going to expect everyone to be online for class. Well, uh, having access to the internet, you might, some folks that was not an issue, some folks that was a big issue. And so there's different levels of support that are needed. So that's a, a pretty you know straightforward mm-hmm. example of sort of that difference between equity and equality. Um, yeah. Asset-based perspective of students, promoting uh, diverse perspectives. I thought that w- there were some things that were parallel uh, in your brief. Um, working with math educators, hey, that's kind of what we're doing right here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having that connection between the, if there's math ed, a math ed department and a math department on a college campus that there can be some uh some basically some communication happening there uh and in our talk that we gave at uh the remote summit which i think we might be able to put a link to some stuff there maybe um but uh we kind of talked about like hey that's something i do i know i need to be a better about is making those connections to our math department here on campus because i know some of our students Uh, A lot of our students take courses over there and then give space and support for improvement. And so whenever you're going to think about making changes to make your, your class, I mean, even think about some of the things that you talked about in your brief, you know, think about student centeredness and thinking about uh, like bringing a sense of line, like you're going to be doing things differently within your classroom and not everything is going to go perfect. And so, yeah, there might be some bumps in the road. But that's what happens when you're going to make improvements, right? You're going to have some things. That, so give space and support for improvement. And so thinking like, no, I expect everything to chug along a straight line going upward all the time. Like, no, we need to, if we're going to change the way we're teaching, if we're going to change some things in our classroom, like it's not just going to be, uh, you know, if all of a sudden in our math department, they started doing things that in groups and started doing things, uh, you know, using complex instruction or something like that. 
yeah, that's going to be some change. There's going to be some pushback too, because it's not the traditional math classroom. And you might even, oh, you might even get a parent calling or something because it's it's different, but it's mm-hmm. different because it's, we're trying to make it better. And so giving yeah. that space and support for improvement. So that, yeah. And then I just named a bunch of resources that kind of went along with those. And that's what's kind of cool. I, I love your resources that I put put down and have mine. And again, those briefs will be available uh, in the show notes for this podcast, which we'll mention later. But so maybe we talk about what did we learn or should we do that? Or did yeah, you have something you wanted sure. to go into? Yeah, I did. Well, so Joel, well, I guess, yeah, well, let's go into what we learned. Um, so I'll just say, Joel, when I read your brief, I, I really appreciated how brief it was. <laughs> it was very like explicit <laughs> with some, you know, main sort of holistic big picture ideas mm-hmm. that I think are great for setting a foundation in this work. Um, I think there's a f- many sort of questions I had while reading the brief in terms of what like some of your suggestions actually look like concretely or explicitly. Ah, um, yeah. So I do have some questions if you don't mind. Okay. Maybe, maybe sure. A few questions. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's keep the learning um, So just going. starting, cool. So just starting with the differentiate uh, equity versus equality. So when I was reading this, I was sort of curious about um, what that looks like to you in terms of uh, what different supports look like for different students and how to identify those supports that are needed. Uh, it, it also kind of going along with that, like sometimes by assessing students in certain ways that will label students. So I also am fearful of, oh, that, you know, identifying this student needs extra support and the other consequences that could have on that student. So I guess there's a lot of questions there, but that's sort of where my head was um, circling around. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things in the, and I might be going around about to get to the answer. Mm-hmm. One of the things when I saw when we went to online learning this past year and some of the, and people had to like make adjustments to their teaching in order to do that. And so we could maintain social mm-hmm. distance and all that good stuff. So, some of the big complaints were, oh, man, I really, I can't assess, you know, trying to think like, how do you do a paper and pencil assessment online? Right. And like mm-hmm. having like you know, proctors through zoom that are mm-hmm. watching you as you do. And like, <sighs> it became all this thing of like, how do we, how do we see what kids know? Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, how do I see what, but instead the answer was, how do I see what kids know that wouldn't disrupt my own teaching and what I've already mm-hmm. been doing for years and years. Right. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about, I need to know, I, I want to understand what concepts you know from this course. And so I have this one way that I've been using, and now maybe I can't use it because of, you know, COVID and, and having to do something right. online. But how do I, demo, how do I get, provide you opportunities to demonstrate your understanding? And like thinking about, you know, there are different ways to demonstrate understanding. And like, even like we talked about in the example of, you know, I, I wanted to show how to do something with a uh, symbols and some a mm-hmm. kid wanted to show me with a table and, yeah. you know, thinking about it, like we both solved the same problem. We both had different ways to get at it. And, mm-hmm. but there was different, you know, uh, representations to do it. And maybe then there's also different mediums to do it too. Like for, you know, mm-hmm. if a kid can tell me exactly what they're supposed to do, but they, they might struggle with the writing part of it. Like, mm-hmm. So now I might say, yes, I do value the writing it out. And we, we're going to provide you with supports in order to do that. But if the main thing is the conceptual understanding and mm-hmm. you have shown me conceptual understanding in a verbal way, um, mm-hmm. you know, you multiple examples, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I can document it. Right. Well, you can assess that. Right. Mm-hmm. And versus the other kid, like, you know what? I just wrote it down. Here you go. And like, right. so there's two different two different ways of providing the assessment. So mm-hmm. like, and, and yes, we, we want both of them to, to see the value in the other one's way. We want them both to be able to express it in, in both ways. But, you know, but we all have this thing where we see a, we all see a menu and we're like, Ooh, I'd like to eat mm-hmm. that. There's yeah. a menu of, of ways that we can show our understanding and some of them are easier than others. And so, mm-hmm. you know, providing the the support in order to, show or demonstrate your understanding in multiple ways could be a way that there's mm-hmm. we're we're providing we want everyone to show that understanding but there's differences in how they might be able to do it and so mm-hmm. or how they might be able to uh, express it and so mm-hmm. 
that's just one way that I see it coming yeah. out in some of those examples. And like the meetings that I had with folks where mm-hmm. some, you know, were, uh, that was for a, like a lesson planning class. So we'd have mm-hmm. lesson planning, lesson plans that they'd have to develop for like elementary math teachers developing these lesson plans. In those meetings, you could see like the complexity of the thinking, which mm-hmm. could be expressed through the, the, on the document versus having a conversation and yet both of them could translate well to good instruction, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. and just like you said, like, hey, there's, you know, Joel, you're brief with your brief, but, you know, I can, <laughs> I can go deeper into each of them, totally. but, yeah. but there's just a different way of expressing it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Does yeah, that help? I like that. Yeah. And I think when I first sort of was thinking about differentiating equity versus equality, I was focusing more on. I guess, you know, I mean, my own bias, I was sort of focusing on more of a deficit uh, view of students, Mm. right? So I was thinking, okay, well, what, so this means students, certain students are, you know, have certain deficiencies, so we need to support them more. And it sounds like your, uh, you know, interpretation of this is more along the lines of how can I open up my assessment or my curriculum so that I can see more students, I can see their understanding and thinking more. And I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, um, but I was just wondering, like, you probably have at the beginning of a academic semester, you'll have like students that are coming up and they've got some supports that, you know, the university said, mm-hmm. hey, these are supports you can give right. them. And mm-hmm. a lot of times those supports are written for classrooms that look nothing like mine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like I'm using the groups. I'm right. trying to, you know, uh, emphasize uh, cooperative learning and the mm-hmm. assignments I have are performance-based and they're not, you know, like... Mm-hmm. A, a, a written exam, a timed, a test, like, yeah, a timed time, written exam. Time and a half. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, Ex- exactly. And so it's like, you know, I look at, yeah. we, and we go through the supports together and I'm like, you know what, these will not be an issue. And all of a sudden, like, you know, what yeah. the student sees as a, you know, a deficit in their, like, it's almost mm-hmm. been not a, it's not, it's still there, but it's not, it doesn't have to be highlighted in this class. Right. right. And so thinking right. about how do we structure our classes so that um, you know, and, and next to me, I've got a doorknob, uh, mm. that's not a knob, it's a handle with, uh, mm. you know, so even a, a child can, can open mm. it, which you yeah. know, maybe you don't want a child to open the door, but, <laughs> right. you know, but like, so but it a has, knob allows is, more access, right. It allows more access. So mm. if I have a child or if I have a hook for a hand or like, there's so many ways yeah. that I can open that door versus right. the one way with a knob. So like, maybe we're, like we're providing yeah. more universal access, uh, Previous uh, yeah. episode of um, podcast. This is self uh, promotion. Well, it's my podcast, mm, but go for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alice Yuvari Solner talks about uh, universal design, and uh, she mm, wrote a whole yeah. book on that. And it was a couple episodes ago. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, she's an expert on that, and that's those metaphors come from her. And yeah, yeah. you know, and she got me to think like, how do you create a classroom that, yeah, those what a kid sees as deficits or maybe what other teachers like they're just, they're, they're a non-factor. Uh, right, they can be a non-factor right. and they can also support more learning happening. Cause now all of a sudden we're thinking oh, yeah. of, Oh, there's many ways to express your learning. And now there's many ways that I can have understanding because I'm seeing what other people are able to do. Like you create mm-hmm. this community of practice. That's amazing. Right. Oh, so true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, you know, when we first hear universal design learning, a lot of things come to mind in terms of like, oh yeah, we should have our PDFs, you know, accessible in terms of having readers, PDF Mm -hmm. readers and these kind of things. But to be able to go beyond that and say, well, what about like the conceptual understanding that I could, the, that, you know, the the net that I could use to, to find and see more conceptual understanding Mm -hmm. rather than just like providing um, concrete, like, I don't know, assignments. No, absolutely. And that's that. where I thought, I thought we had some comment, like seeing mm-hmm. our two, we had some common thoughts on that and yeah. like having that asset-based perspective of students, but then you're also mm-hmm. saying like that sense of belonging. I thought those were like yeah. these sort of common uh, thoughts between us. Yeah. Cause I think when we focus or when the focus is on deficit, that just immediately can turn students away. Oh yeah. Cause I, I mean, we kind of joke about it, but a lot of, people all of a sudden like if you say like enter a math classroom like what's your deficit i'm not a math person and like okay if that's 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, how yeah. do we deal with that? Versus saying like, no, you have lots of ways that you express yourself yeah. as a doer of mathematics. Yeah. And we're going to, oh, totally. we're going to pull those out and you're going to have mm-hmm. to use them. So mm-hmm. that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Along those lines, I had the student this last quarter who, uh, we, um, one of my classes is, uh, synchronous and we were looking at doing some just kind of, for me, basic simplification of fractions or of, of, you know, certain equations and, or expressions. And I said something like, oh, we just factor out the six. And he was like, factor out? Like he just hadn't used that language, <laughs> right? And so he later met with me in an office hour and just told me how like, sort of how upset that made him feel. He felt mm. really like, oh, I don't know this word. And so I don't belong here and, and all these things. And we had a great conversation about, you know, how, oh, well, you know, in my experience as a professor, like I've just seen this a lot. And so, you know, I, I shouldn't have used that word if, you know, if, if that's not something you've seen or are familiar with. And I, sh- you know, like just having that kind of conversation. And, um, but then later, like I was just looking at his final project and he uh, looked at, it was some statistical analysis and he is, he's a YouTuber and he has like a lot of followers and he looked at, so the assignment was to you know, find data that included two quantitative variables and make some graphs and draw some analysis and use some of his own videos. He compared like length of video to percentage watched. Oh, yeah, and yeah. this project is like, it's amazing. It's like, you know, and I think uh, because he was able to bring his own interest and his own, you know, ideas and, and bring a, a project and a topic that he was genuinely curious about and that also was beneficial in his work um just really uh yeah I could see I could really see him yeah, you yeah. know and in having a, a assignment where it's like okay factor out the nine or simplify this expression he's not seen there yeah. he, he is doing what I like what what I have told him to do rather than mm-hmm. what he is inspired to do so I think that that um yeah, I don't, it was just, I just, <laughs> before we talked, was looking at his final and I just yeah, yeah. was really impressed with his work. So. Well, you think about that too, because you allowed him to do that, I'm get, I'll, I'm, I'll bet on it that mm-hmm. that's not where the math stopped, where his final was turned in, where he's doing that. I mean, he's still doing math on that because yeah. what he's a YouTuber. He wants to figure out how to be yeah, a YouTuber. Totally. And he's probably sharing that. Hey, when I, when my videos are this length, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're humming, right? They're, they're being yeah. watched more often. Yeah. Yeah. And so he can take that work with him. He can continue to think about it. Exactly. Yeah. And so like you think about some of the things you like, there's that asset-based perspective. There's a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. I see what I'm doing in my classroom. I see that what I'm doing in this class makes a difference in my own life. And now, now they'll be looking, the, the switches are flipped on and I can see like, well, where is math elsewhere in my life? Not just this compartmentalized thing. I pass this class and I'm done with it. No, no, no. Now it's it's a part of who you are. Yeah. Or I'm not ever going to use the word factor. I'm never going to simplify expressions. Why do I need this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that I saw too, is just the connect, the connecting thoughts, uh, from each of our different mm-hmm. briefs. And again, you're talking about all the, you know, these different things that, um, people can do in order to advance, uh, in their teaching, trying to achieve more equitable outcomes and thinking about, again, you know, I talked about before providing the space in order to do that, um, is good, mm-hmm. but also there was something that was in your brief that I wanted to highlight the, the message, uh, the, the, I think you talked about a vision statement of uh yeah of the department for departments yeah yeah Mm -hmm. having that visible and i want to talk to you about that a little bit so yeah because i think that is so like you know sometimes when we look at school of eds or something like that they'll talk about mission and vision statements and like what do they actually mean right what do they what do they say and what does that actually mean with regards to action and so i like that you you put you're saying like hey make it visible put it out there and it put it out there so that people, it's almost like, so people can call you on it. I don't know. Like, is that what you're kind of saying? Like, Hey, if this is what we're, if this is what we've put out there on our, uh, on our letterhead or whatever, like if we're actually gonna do this, what does this look like in our classrooms? I don't know. Can, can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. So this, um, suggestion came from work that my department has done at Sonoma state. Um, I think it was maybe one or two, a couple of years ago, um, 
we wanted to change up our mission statement. And so, you know, we took a, a few department meetings or time at some department meetings to really revise what we wanted to project out there. Um, and so what we really focused on, you know, maybe we can link the mission in the show notes because I don't there have it memorized. Nice. But it, it starts with saying, you know, here at Sonoma State University, we welcome, you know, people from a variety of, you know, cultural uh, backgrounds and experiences uh, to creatively or collaboratively take part in a create a collaborative mathematical environment, something of this sort. So there's, you know, really a welcoming of like, or, or an explicit attention to welcoming everyone from all backgrounds um, to take place in this collaborative environment. So kind of those two focuses, you know, inclusive and collaborative. Uh, and so what I've done, and I, I think some of my colleagues as well have um, on the top of my syllabus, I have this, this statement. Nice. So, and sometimes I change it like in this classroom, we welcome people from, you know, all backgrounds and experiences to creatively collaborate in mathematics. And I have it there and like, it could be something that like, you know, oh, some students will read, but that's how I start my class on day one. I say, welcome everyone, you know, welcome to this classroom where we accept everyone, you know, I go through, Mm -hmm. I just read it out loud to them. Uh, And I think that helps to kind of set the culture in the classroom uh, right away as well. Um, You know, it's not like, okay, here's a syllabus. You need this book. You need to do these things. You need to pass these tests. Okay. Write it down now or else, you know, you're going to fail. You're already behind too late. You know, (laughs) it's really like, let's just take a moment to pause and like, just say, I see you and you're welcome here. Yeah. Look right, look left. One of you won't be here. Yeah. Right right? Yeah. No. Um, And so we have it on our website, of course, but I think having it in the syllabus just helps it to bring the message actually to the students. Yeah, well, then you're talking about all these things that, where you can see that in action, right? And I think mm. that's that's the point. I, I, we've done some things with our um, education majors where they're doing a portfolio and they have a, mm. um, a, a philosophy statement, which always starts off the same for most of them. It's like, love mm. kids and I want to teach them well, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> it starts off mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And the, as they keep going and they have this reflection on action and, and uh, uh, kind of this philosophy and then their practice, you get to see it flesh out and change into something sophisticated, like mm. what you're saying. Mm. So then you're kind of with the end product and say, well, Hey, here's this thing. And I'm going to make this statement. And now throughout the semester, you're going to see how I'm going to back it up with yeah. what I'm doing in this class. And so it yeah. is kind of a, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I'm already saying like, this mm-hmm. is it now. I, now I have to live up to it. And mm-hmm. that is kind of bold, but it's also, I mean, it might be reassuring for that kid that's in this class and like, you know, maybe they, my, my dad always scared me to death when he he said he was great at math till he got to calculus. And then, so I always like, Mm. when I got into calculus, I was like kind of scared because I'm like, Oh my God, this is it. 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 The show's (laughs) over. Someone's going to be coming like, yeah, you don't belong in here. But like to have those kids that like, Mm. or, you know, or even to think my first like modern algebra class, I've got my notebook down over here where it's got like mm. symbols. I've never even, I can't even, I can't remember what they all stand for, but that, like, I remember doing like, I can't mm. believe I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge. Like of my, yeah. my understanding I'm still going. of everything. I'm, I'm still, still going. going though. They haven't caught me yet. Yeah. 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 And so that, you know, there's a pretty, you know, pre- exposed sort of way. And to have someone say something like that at the beginning of your mathematical mm-hmm. adventure is uh, kind mm-hmm. of reassuring. So I yeah. appreciate you doing that. Yeah. What, and any I other questions? Student- oh, sorry, go for it. Oh, well, I've had students comment on aspects of my class um, or those types of aspects of my class. Um, so something else I do on every exam, you know, you have at the beginning and, you know, I love to break away from exams and still working on it, you know, giving myself time to grow, but um most of my classes, there is an exam. And at the beginning, you know, I have a bullet points of instructions, you know, make sure you read everything. Like you can use this, you can use that, take your time. But my uh, bullet I always include is, you know, this exam is not a measure of your worth or intelligence. This exam is one way to demonstrate some of what you've learned so far this term. And I've had students comment on that as well. They said that like, you know, in, in student evals and, and things like that, they say, you know, after reading that, it really helps me relax with the yeah. exam. Um, and so that's another way that I try to carry out this message throughout the term of, you know, you're welcome here. This is, you know, this is not your performance in this class or, you know, however, your, your activity in this class is not 
is not all of you. You know, you are, you are so big, you know, and this class is one way of showing, of showing up here or, you know, showing yourself um, just so that they acknowledge that I am trying to see them more. So I I got something to share right on this. And it was sort of the same thing. It's like, what do we do to like, what, what is the, think about what is the purpose of assessment? What are we trying to get out of it? Mm -hmm. Like for you to demonstrate Mm -hmm. some understanding. And so I had a, uh, my cooperating teacher when I was uh, back in 2000, 2001, 2000. Um, Anyway, Joe Dye. And he was, again, Mm -hmm. he was on this podcast too, but we talked about celebrating celebrations of learning. Right. So Mm -hmm. he never gave a test. He would have a celebration of learning. It's great. And I loved Mm -hmm. it. And so I took that, you know, I, I stole that. And that's great from him and uh and he lovingly uh, lets me have it um but like having a celebration of learning and so i'm saying no no i'm not testing you i'm not saying like do you know this do you know this versus right. you know this that's great oh you know this like to to, yeah. to again that's like taking that asset based perspective right bringing totally it, bringing it to the and and you know in my my celebrations are not that strenuous when we're talking about um that, but mm-hmm. i still want to see like hey do we have demonstration of these objectives mm-hmm. and things like that because we want to celebrate those things but we want to see where we're at because if also if we don't have those and we know that if you want to leave this class in good shape i got to make sure that we do some things in order to get that so and then we yeah. will celebrate that later so we can mm-hmm. do that but anyway like yeah. using our those sort of terms i remember we had our first celebration and again, it was all online and this past year and uh, with one of our classes. And I know just it, like the anxiety level just goes down like, Oh, it's a celebration. Mm. Like it's still, I mean, it was just, yeah. even if it was just a name, even though they know in the back of their head, like this is, this is, you know, this is a, you know, a, maybe a test, but right. like, yeah. no, we'll, and, and trying to back it up, this celebration of learning, here's what I want to celebrate because I know we've done this stuff and I want you to show me what you know. And so having that sort of perspective, I think can help. And yeah. like, you know, it maybe, you know, you know, there might be some math professor that rolling their eyes at that. Well, okay. Well still, how do you bring like, you know, how do you bring that mindset to mm-hmm. like what you're saying? Like the, the perspective that you're bringing to your students using that, uh, that those words, you know, can just be like, just bring the anxiety mm-hmm. down a little bit. So you they oh, can yeah. actually show what they know, you know? Yeah. I love that celebration of learning. And I think too, like, like you said, some math professors might roll their eyes, but I mean, an assessment is we've assumed students have learned something. So now they're demonstrating it. So might as well celebrate that. Might as well call it something that is, uh, you know, appreciating their hard work and their learning. And then I think that's something they could, students can take away with them. You know, they're building a deck and they're making measurements and, oh, Hey, this worked out. I was able to, you know, measure these things and build this thing. And like, that's a celebration. I learned, I appreciate, you know, what happened. So I I love that perspective. So any other questions do we have? I I asked my mine about the mission statement. I wanted to ask about that. Did you have any more? Um, let's see. I do. Let me just take a look here. Um, well, so I did have maybe not exactly related to the brief, but in terms of uh, equity considerations, specifically for online classes. Mm. So I know a lot of more schools are opening up more in the fall, but there's still a lot of classes running online. And I think that that's kind of where a lot of higher ed trend is going. So I was wondering if you had any like special considerations for online classes. I know we touched on this a little bit, but maybe ways of helping students be more seen uh, in that world and providing more access. Yeah. So it's like another shameless plug. So for the teaching mm-hmm. math teaching podcast, we did a, um, a whole series of um, book clubs, uh, book club chats with this book called teaching math at a distance with Teresa Wills. She's from George mm-hmm. Mason university. And she's like mm-hmm. an expert on teaching math online and 
and I didn't know this, but I was exposed to a bunch of your resources like a year ago when a friend of mine, Jen Wolf at uh, the University of Arizona, she's a she's in the math department, um, was sharing with me all these resources on teaching. So like using a lot of Google slides and interactions around mm. math problems and things like that mm-hmm. and trying to think. So anyway, we introduced to Teresa. We did a podcast on the Teaching Math Teaching podcast with Teresa. And then we she had the book. We did the book club. And now a, an episode uh, kind of wrapping that up is going to be published in a couple of weeks on the Teaching Math Teaching podcast feed. That being said, what... I got a lot of different perspectives from Teresa on some things. So like, for example, teaching online can also, you know, sometimes we think about just the internet access. Yes, that is an issue. And we need to Mm -hmm. come up with that. And just Mm -hmm. how do we get access to good Wi-Fi? But then also thinking like, well, how do we create create more access online? So for example, we're showing each other's video right now. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, it's nice in a conversation to see each other's video, but it might not be necessary in an online class environment to actually mm-hmm. see videos like, Oh, I want to see their faces. Mm-hmm. Well, do they need to see your face? Yeah. Right. If, if you're doing mm-hmm. something through the Google slides where they're interacting, you just want to see that they're engaged. Well, there's different mm-hmm. ways to show engagement that don't mm-hmm. take as much bandwidth, right. That, that provides yeah, more access. That's a good point. So thinking yeah. about it from that perspective, or mm-hmm. um, also thinking like from a, if, you know, I have a big barrier right now with like physically getting manipulatives to Mm. my elementary teachers so that they can experience some things. I have some, we have some here, Mm -hmm. but then getting access to all of them is kind of tough. Well, there's a virtual manipulatives. They're not the best, right? Like Mm. I want them to know that physical manipulatives are really good for kids, but to get them exposed to it now, Mm -hmm. the world is our oyster because the internet, we can, I mean, even in my face-to-face class, we can still use the the online environment to bring all these physical uh, virtual manipulatives uh, to play where, we can actually things yeah yeah. and like allowing choice for kids like hey show me uh show me how you could put these two numbers together you can use a number line you can use the um Mm. the base 10 blocks you can use all these different Mm -hmm. ways um you know similar sort of thing at a college level you know you're probably you're talking about using desmos or different uh, geogebra Mm -hmm. all these different ways that they could express themselves um you show their thinking um like the internet can actually provide more access to some of those things. So like my perspective is evolved a little bit where I'm seeing like the interactions, like how can someone participate in my class? Like there, you know, think about if we're on a zoom and we have some Google slides, they can communicate over the audio. They can communicate Mm -hmm. in the chat they can communicate by showing, you know, their manipulation of a slide. If I've provided them that space to do that, like there's so many ways yeah, that they can, yeah. they can engage and in, in, into this classroom now right. that a mm-hmm. lot of those I can still bring into a face-to-face environment, but like thinking from an online space, I, there's a lot What's going on there. Effective. Yeah, yeah. In how they're contributing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, oh, go right, ahead. Yeah. Yeah, like traditionally, it'd be like, well, I need to see that they're working. And so I see that they're working by seeing that they have their video on or seeing their face. But it's like, well, there's a lot more maybe that we could see. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then also in the asynchronous platform too. Yeah. uh, Opening that up to more, you know, either maybe having um, opportunities for students to create a short presentation or a video or, um, you know, show work in a Google slide or a Jamboard or yeah. some of these other things too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and I mean, even just to, you know, Teresa just opened my eyes a lot too with mm-hmm. like looking at a set of Google slides that's, hey, each each group has a, a slide that they're showing mm-hmm. their work on. And so mm-hmm. even jumping around to different you know, groups and like, I think I can zoom around in my little rolly chair around a classroom. I can see one, <laughs> maybe two groups at a time, see what they're doing. But there I could be in a Zoom room looking and engaging with a, you know, listening to a conversation while at the same time seeing, oh, wow, groups three and four are doing something similar to what I'm hearing where this group, ooh, group six isn't doing anything. I'm going to pop over to that group. Mm. And so now even to think yeah. like, not even to this thing like, well, do they have an issue or Oh no, they're just having a really good conversation. All right, now mm. hey, can you put something on the on the board? So it's like 
a, yeah, even a yeah. better way of of doing that sort of, of juggling of around seeing their work yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah. well that's a, that podcast is coming out is that right yeah the podcast is out and okay, then we have all the book the... chats and we'll again okay. we'll put them in the show notes great shameless promotion of lots of stuff mm-hmm. here but um yeah but any uh, additional thoughts that you had on our uh, conversation here um yeah so i do have a couple more questions if we have yeah time. yeah okay um so going back i guess to kind of that um let's see going back to this assessment based perspective of students uh, so something you wrote in your brief, Joel, is that um, so rather than having this deficit perspective, consider instead what assets students bring to the classroom and how to leverage those assets to best build their relationship with mathematics. And so my curiosity or my question is, um, how does this look like for, or what does this look like for you in your classroom? So do you try to like, find individual student assets or are your assignments such that, you know, students are, can bring whatever asset they are sort of want to the room or is there a certain asset inventory that you do? I'm just curious what that looks like. I mean, I have done those like, uh, like the leadership inventory where you get them to identify like what, uh, what animal they are. Are they a lion, a lion, a beaver, uh, otter, and a golden retriever. A lot of teachers are golden mm-hmm. retrievers, but okay. there's some lions in there. And so you, you've got two lions in a group that, that can be, you know, lions are going to butt heads sometimes. So it's like knowing that, okay, I'm going to, might, I might have to make a choice to mm-hmm. back off here and let this other person take the, take the lead. Mm-hmm. But then also knowing that like everyone has a role there. So knowing like the otter, uh, you can kind of guess an otter is kind of a fun loving sort of mm-hmm. person that's going to like, Hey, your role might be to rally, you know, rally your group. Hey, let's get going on this. All right, here we go. I got the time and like, whatever, you yeah. know, like th- that's one very simple one that mm-hmm. I've, you know, used with my high school students as well. Mm-hmm. But then also seeing like, well, well, how do you best take in uh, information? Right. Or then mm-hmm. how do you best express information? Um, it's kind of like the love language of learning. Right. And so thinking mm-hmm. about that and, and identifying what those things are, but then um, you know, another thing is just to provide like, parameters of what the task is and then Mm -hmm. letting them choose how they want to so like the best way for me to teach my teach my teachers how to teach is to let them Mm -hmm. teach and so Mm -hmm. we have them design these like little mini lessons and we did these virtual teaching groups um, that worked really well uh, this past year where they taught a little lesson to their group and you should see like I could have said hey do this this and this you know Mm -hmm. you need a slight the only thing I said is you need to select an open-ended task that opens into it. And then, you know, allows kids to, or your, your peers to mm-hmm. do some thinking around it. And then you to talk about it. And that's, there's, there's some more to it than that, but I mean, and then evaluating them kind of on their teaching where they would self-evaluate and the, the creativity that would happen. Like, I mean, I could have shown some lessons and just have them observe it, but having them do it, then you'd see like, they're bringing in all this information. Like I learned so much about my students because they're bringing in some themselves into those Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. If like providing the space in order for that to happen, just like you did with your Mm -hmm. student in their final able to use their YouTube, Mm -hmm. you know, analytics, Mm -hmm. like those sorts of things you know, allowing them to bring their, their, they're, they're going to use their assets, you know, like mm-hmm. allowing them to do what they want. Like they're going to bring those in to play in order to accomplish something. So um, one, you get to yeah. know your students better, but two, they come up with amazing things if, if you're giving the space to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, yeah. Help? Something that I, yeah. Something that I struggle with in that is balancing that open-endedness with communicating expectations. Mm. So I do try. And so what I try to do, I guess, is just to, you know, allow them to really allow students to really have a lot of control in the content that they're looking Mm. at. Yeah. Right. But then provide parameter, as you said, I guess, parameters that then help to communicate those expectations. But that's still something that I, I often am, you know, still trying to work on and develop like creating a rubric that is, you know, structured yeah. enough, but also open enough. Right. That's what I was going to say is like creating that rubric. And so like mm-hmm. for these virtual teaching groups, so I wanted mm-hmm. like, what's the quality control? 
they needed to have a lesson plan, which we gave a template for. They needed to identify the standard and objective mm-hmm. that they're going to, you know, that they're going to use. Yeah. They needed to, they needed to use Google slides because we were going to do some virtual teaching. You know what I'm saying you need to use slides. I don't know how you use them, but you need to use yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, and then I can't remember what the other thing is, but anyway, then they were going to evaluate each other on these teach. And like, I didn't care how they did on this evaluation, but they were going to be evaluated by their peers. And it was like, mm-hmm. Did everyone know what they were supposed to do? Was it organized? Was there like a flow to the mm-hmm. lesson? Um, did they uh, allow them to communicate with each other? Or, was it, or were they just talking mm-hmm. at the students? And then were there higher order th- questions being asked? And mm-hmm. so they're trying to shoot for these sorts of like, you know, pedagogical targets while doing right. something around an open. Oh, they had to use an open-ended task. That was the other thing that okay. they had to use. They okay. had to use, and we had a list of like, resources where they could find one around their standard and so those parameters so that Mm -hmm. that provided a good fence in order to for Mm -hmm. great things to happen but it's like all you had to do was do those things you got the credit like those like use the slides the open-ended task Mm -hmm. the lesson but then you could have totally bombed out on your teaching but yeah yeah, but but the peer pressure you wanted to do better and then we said hey and then next time find one of those things you didn't do as well on and just get better at it. And like, Oh man, that's awesome. The way that they responded was amazing. And it was just like, you saw people get better, better and talk sophisticated about their teaching. Like, yeah, I, I, I had people cooperate or communicate with each other, but I could ask better questions like hire to like, Mm. and so people are like writing little post-its with like, Hey, Hey, blank. Mm -hmm. Tell me about blank's thinking on that problem. And like, mm-hmm. so they have this like ready on their side of their computer, yeah. ready to go to talk to each other. So, oh, cool. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Awesome. So, any any additional thoughts? And we're going to wrap this up in the next yeah, few. Yeah, I think that's a great, great conversation, Joel. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we'll, lots of links. There's lots of resources that will be mm-hmm. shared in the show notes. And I think uh, we, each of us put, in our briefs um so highlighted some resources uh to put in there um so definitely lots of good stuff to to look at in in both of those and then just the in general the getting started with equity uh for um academic department leaders it's kind of like hey if you're going to sit down and have a conversation with a department chair what would you want to share with them and they did several um several like uh, uh departments that they used that did similar work to what natalie and i did but um, yeah, so this was great. I was anything to promote, Natalie, uh, before we head out. Um, yeah, I will say. Uh, so my department at Sonoma State is currently uh, they're starting a grant this year, a project for uh, transforming uh, post-secondary STEM education. Nice. Uh, so this is a professional development program that they're starting to help faculty investigate their uh, implicit biases and be uh, more inclusive educators. Um, so I'm really excited about this work because um, you know a lot of work or some work in this direction has taken place at the K through 12 level, but less so in terms of professional development for or department change uh, at the higher ed level. So I'm really excited to be a part of this program. I'll be one of the participants uh, in it going through a workshop this summer and then some, uh, some other sort of uh, studies and uh, focus groups this coming year so i'm really excited to be a part of that change nice excellent wonderful yeah well i just want to thank you for the time it's like one of those uh, opportunities where you get a chance to introduce yourself to somebody you find you have some connections and then you get to have great conversations around an important topic about uh promoting equity in uh, math education. So uh, I'm just, oh, yeah. And I'd love to continue the conversation. If any of your listeners are interested in, you know, are interested in chatting or have other, you know, ideas. Um, so you could also throw my email in the, in the show notes. Yeah. I don't know if that's, well, I know you got a nice blog, whatever, but you got a nice blog mm, yeah. too, right? We'll, we'll link, we'll send me a link. We'll put that in the, in the notes great. as well. So that'd be great. Great. Will do. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you uh, for all your work and uh, look forward to a future conversation. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joel. All right. There it is. What I believe was cool about this conversation between Natalie and I was that we came in with a similar understanding of equity, but had very different experiences in getting to this point. Uh, You know, you heard a little bit about her background, you know, Man, I've told you so much about my background in this episode of this podcast, but even if you haven't there, it's, it's, it was different. So uh, 
But even with the common vocabulary, we still had some ways we could enlighten each other given our different perspectives. And I think that's what we should be doing. You know, I, I, over and over again, I say one of the great things about this podcast is just to have great conversations and record them and share them. And that's kind of the point, right? And so, you know, I, I put it out to you. If you're thinking about, um, and you should be thinking about, how do you make uh, this world a more equitable place? How do we think about what are things we can do in our current context to move towards a, um, a better place, a better world? right? Thinking about steps you could do. I mean, it's going to start with conversations. It's about getting to know your neighbor. It's about thinking about how can you, um, how can you make this world a little bit better place? And what are the actions that you can do taking steps towards that? And again, building relationships is I think always going to be at the forefront and that's going to start probably with some conversations. So hopefully that's, uh, that's something, uh, some good news for you to share and hopefully maybe you can take some steps toward that. Love to hear about it. So if you, uh, ever want to connect, you can connect with Joel at AmazonPlanet.com. Uh, always love to have co- good conversations. So if you know someone maybe I should have a good conversation with, I'd always love to hear about that. Now, if you are looking for ways to support the podcast, um, one, that is way, one way you could do that by, you know, connecting me with folks you think I should be having conversations with. But um, if you're looking for other ways to support outside of some of the things that we talked about here in this podcast, and by the way, Show notes for this episode of the podcast can be found at amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 47. Never want to forget that. So show notes again at amadonplanet.com forward slash episode 47. But if you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts so that the latest episode is always available whenever you're ready to listen, rate and or review the podcast through your podcast provider. Uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, or uh, subscribe to the Amadon Planet download, which contains teaching resources and updates from Amadon Planet. Um, we're going to have some lots of resources related to some of the book clubs that have been doing through uh, another podcast, the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. But anyway, that's coming up in a couple weeks, so you'll hear about that soon enough. You can also follow at Amadon Planet uh, on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amadon Planet Facebook page. You can also check out the Amadon Planet store or Amadon Planet bookshop. Links in the, or in the footer at AmadonPlanet.com where your purchases support the production costs of the podcast. In conclusion... Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amateur Planet Podcast. Thanks to Natalie for sharing her time and expertise. Thanks to Matt Mifflin, as always, for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace.